All right, thanks, Karen. Um, so, hey, friends, I confess I have always been more than a little suspicious of television preachers. Um, <laughs> miss having you here. There's um, a big empty room. We've tried to set it up so it's a little uh, cozier and seems a little smaller, like we're in a living room together. Um, so, Lord willing, we'll be back together again soon. So, um, one of the advantages of live stream, however, is that you can pause to grab a snack or go to another room. Or if you need a Bible, this is the point where we're going to open Mark chapter 4 together. Um, so if you want to grab a scripture and read along, that is the part of the Bible that we're headed into today. Um, the end of Mark chapter 4 is a story that resonates with, I think, this strange moment that we are experiencing in society. And it puts us in the shoes of the disciples, Jesus' disciples 2,000 years ago, or more literally um, in the boat with them who were having also kind of a strange time. On this particular day, nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus and disciples had spent a day serving and ministering together. Jesus had told a few parables. You can read these earlier in Mark chapter 4. One was about um, a man who scatters some seeds very liberally, and then while he's sleeping and going about his business, according to Jesus' story, these seeds take root, they sprout, and start to yield a harvest. And the guy doesn't know how. It's just the power of the seed at work spreading. Jesus tells another story about a tiny mustard seed, which is the tiniest um, of all the garden seeds, but the mustard seed, after you plant it in the ground, grows into the biggest of all the garden plants. I kind of like these stories right now because it reminds us that viruses are not the only thing that spreads. Jesus tells all these stories about how his power, how the gospel, how good news also have this incredible growth potential. So we're going to start reading at Mark 4, verse 35, after Jesus has done this preaching and teaching throughout the day. The Bible says this, That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side, to the other side of a lake. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were other boats with him. Seems like a normal day 2,000 years ago. Jesus is pretty tired. They took him, quote, just as he was. What does that mean? It means he was super tired and wrung out. Jesus himself was spent, exhausted, and he goes into a boat. He is with the disciples, and the Bible paints this picture that there are other boats full of uh, other disciples as well, and they are with them. They are literally in the boat together. But the question is, for being with Jesus, are they really with Jesus? This is about to be tested. The Bible continues. A furious squall came up, and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So this normal day ends in a massive storm. So in fact, uh, three of the Gospels tell this story. In the Gospel of Matthew, he refers to the storm as a seismos, is the Greek word. Like, we have the word seismic for earthquakes. Uh, it's a, not only a storm, but a shaking, a quaking, and a stirring up. 
I would simply observe this. A week ago, life still seemed pretty normal. And sitting here in an empty worship center in our houses, maybe in airports or different places, we are all feeling the early signs of a seismos, a, a shaking, a quaking, a stirring up. Things are not normal right now. Uh, in the course of my lifetime, there's maybe been a few other analogous moments where things uh, felt equally surreal, like in the days immediately following um, 9-11, um, I'm old enough to remember the day that President Reagan was shot in the early 80s, and I was maybe 14 years old in 1987 when the stock market had the, had the huge crash, and I remember looking around and thinking, what are all these old people so worried about? But I was old enough to detect that like something had changed, all the grown-ups were super worried, and... This is a moment like one of those moments. Just everything is different. We are in the midst um, of a shaking. Now, in the midst of a moment like this, um, there are two things, I think, that are right for us to do. Number one is exactly what we're doing this morning um, by trying to be responsible by minimizing the amount of shaking and quaking and stirring um, Hopefully a slide just went up, which has become famous in American culture just the last four or five days, called flattening the curve. I mean, what we're being asked to do by our government and public health officials um, is to stay calm, uh, to realize, like, this is not about the fact that everybody is going to get super sick or, or die. What this is about is social distancing and trying to spread out um, the infectious nature of this disease so that instead of having a giant spike on the front end that might get so high that our doctors and nurses and healthcare workers um, don't have the capacity to care for everybody, that by social distancing we stretch that out and are able to have everybody um, access the care that they need. We are doing this especially for older folks and for more vulnerable populations. Um, on this Sunday morning, on March 15, 2020, this hits especially close to home for me. Uh, my best friends in California um, have a dad who's in an ICU, a mom who just was ambulanced after a 911 call yesterday morning, and a 50-year-old special needs brother who's also in the hospital and has tested positive for the coronavirus. And we have a friend who's now, because they cared for those vulnerable family members, uh, is now sick and at home under self-quarantine. So we want to do whatever we can to prevent more situations like that where you have a family full of vulnerable uh, members um, who are sick and separated. It seems strange to say that the best way to love our neighbors right now is by keeping our distance and staying a step back. But in fact, um, doing what we're doing is a responsible way to flatten this curve. The second thing that we can do in a time like this is to keep our spiritual antenna um, alive and awake and active because in times of trouble, uh, God inevitably loves to speak and reveal himself and teaches people something new. So I brought a couple little kid toys here this morning. One, especially if you're an older person, will recognize an Etch-a-Sketch. So in a moment where things are shaking and quaking, it's like taking an Etch-a-Sketch and doing this. And if you had written on an Etch-a-Sketch and shake it up, you end up with a clean slate. 
And for some of us in the midst of this shaking and quaking, there's going to be an opportunity to kind of hit a human default switch. And the thing I hear from more uh, adults um, observing how their lives are going these days is that my life is so full, so busy. Uh, sometimes I just, I, I just want to make it stop. Perhaps in the weeks ahead, there is this opportunity to look at your life uh, through some spiritual eyes and have an opportunity for God to kind of reset the default settings, clear the screen, and wonder again about what's most important and valuable. Along, along those lines, I've also brought one of my favorite sand toys. It's a little colander. I mean, if you fill this thing up with sand and shake it out, the only thing left in the strainer or the colander are going to be like the pebbles or the rocks, or, I mean, if you're really lucky in Colorado, maybe a tiny piece of gold or something, right? What's big and maybe what's valuable or most important or useful like stays after you shake and strain uh, sand through a colander. Similarly, maybe this moment is going to be used by God as an opportunity to shake away things that matter less and to um, stick with and end up with what matters even more. Um, I have a kid who is living in Spain. That country is under total lockdown at this point. And while we usually talk to our daughter like once a week, we are talking to her every single day at this point. Right? And it's a, a reminder of our mutual love and togetherness and being there in spirit, even when we can't be there in person. And maybe for you, something similar will happen, that those relationships, the people that you are called to love the most, that is going to um, get shaken and emerge even more clearly than what you knew before. So where is Jesus in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this shaking and quaking. Jesus is literally asleep in the stern, the back of the boat. Does this mean he doesn't care? This is what the disciples uh, were worried about. They screamed this question at him, teacher, don't you care if we drown as the shaken waters are streaming over the sides of the boat? For sure, it is not true that Jesus is uncaring or that his sleep is because of apathy. I think Jesus is sleeping because he is so comfortable and confident of who he is, that he is God's son, of God's power, that he in his human exhaustion is able to sleep and rest even in the ultimate shaking and quaking. I also think it's an amazing symbol that Jesus is sleeping. I mean, he's not actively causing the storm. He's not actively causing, as Lord of heaven and earth, um, this shaking and quaking. He is, he is unplugged, but his power is about to be revealed. So the disciples, they are literally in the boat with Jesus, but they are not with Jesus, right? Their, their hearts, their God confidence is miles apart from where Jesus is. Mark 4 continues with these words. Jesus then got up or rose up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. This is an amazing moment. This is Jesus' God confidence at work. Jesus speaks just a few simple words. And what is there after the shaking and the quaking cease? 
just Jesus and his disciples there together. There is a peace and a calm over the water. There's a peace and a calm being projected from Jesus. But within the disciples, there is still a fear and anxiety that still possess them. The story ends this way. Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? But the disciples were terrified and they asked each other, let's say with the disciples, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Do you remember those words from Psalm 46? I read them three times earlier. Be still and know that I am God. Jesus literally says those words, quiet, be still. Do the disciples recognize in this moment that he is God? Right? They ask the question, who is this guy? Who can do this? And the answer from Jesus, if we complete the sentence, quiet, be still, and know that I am God. Jesus is, in fact, God. He is the Lord in the macro picture. He is the Lord of storms, of mountains, of waves, of quaking, of the churning of the sea. And he is also God. He is the Lord of the micro. He is the Lord of every cell that is in your body. He is the Lord of every tiny antibody. He is the Lord of every virus. And in this moment, for us as 21st century Americans, I think Jesus would ask the same question. Where is your faith? This is an amazing moment for us, church, for us to let our faith shine. There's going to be increasing anxiety and fear and crazy toilet paper shopping habits that are going on in our local grocery stores. And this is a moment where our faith can shine forth as something that is deep down real to all of us, making a moment-by-moment difference in how we conduct ourselves, in the look on our face, in what we do with our wallets, in the way we walk through a grocery store. In the shaking, Jesus is letting us know that he is God. And Jesus, I know, is making himself available so that we know him more deeply. In the weeks and the month ahead, we are going to have the opportunity to know more of Jesus' suffering than ever before. More of the isolation, um, more of his pain, more of his self-sacrifice. That is in front of us. And Lord willing, we are also in the season of shaking going to have the opportunity to know more of Jesus' power. By God's grace, we are going to be filled up with more of Jesus' power to heal and restore and rise up into new and different life. There may be weeks or even longer where this virus grows for a little while. But this season is not going to last forever. Jesus' kingdom, however, and the power that is at work in us and in his church, Jesus' kingdom, though it started out as the tiniest of seeds, someday is going to grow and fill all things so much more powerful than any other force 
biological, spiritual, or otherwise that there has ever been. And when it comes to that power and its spread in Jesus' coming kingdom, my prayer today is, Lord, let this begin with me. Amen? Lord willing, you can pray the same.